There we are. Ruminate, ruminates back, baby. We're back. We're back. We're back and, and better than we're, ever. We're full of, uh, up to the brim with uh, ridiculous topics. Yeah, we we do. And you know what? I was looking, gosh, I was looking not that long ago at the calendar. And I don't know what how I figured this out. Maybe I was looking at our stats or something. And I realized we've been doing this show for three years. That's a long time. Yeah, it's three years this month. I just renewed the domain name, I think, last That's week. It's longer than, I think, almost anything that I've done uh, in recent years, i got to say. Because even Blink, I consider over now. Rest in peace. Oh, a moment for Blink. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where that's going. I'm still, I'm still figuring that out, Rob. But we talked about that so much last time. We're going we're gonna to just move on. We're going to move on and, and try to start a new chapter. Yes, year three. Yeah. Instead, I think we want. I want to talk about banks. Oh, okay. Let's do All it. All right. <laughs> I spent many, many years working with banks, and they're not the most technologically savvy institutions, at least in America. Uh, they're not great here either. The system. But... Yeah, the systems are old. I remember when I worked inside a bank for about a year and a half. I would get these reports and they and the files all had eight character names and I realized at one point, you know why that is? Because they can't have longer names. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not kidding you. A lot of the, the US banking industry I think is still based on COBOL, which is a language from the 60s, I believe. Um, yeah, that's that's similar to what I've heard about a lot of the UK banks. Um, you know, all of the modern stuff, like their iOS and Android apps and things like that, are that you've got the app, and then there's some kind of like middleman between right. them, them and the like the rotting systems wherever they exist. Yeah, and I think we're at the point now where that is actually a feature more than a bug because these banks, literally, there aren't hackers around who can deal with COBOL because there's probably only a handful of people who even can deal with that language in the entire world at this point. And so they just keep running and it, it, I think it's a it's a, you know, security through obscurity type of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- yeah, as you say, the only people that can deal with that kind of code are either already working for the banks for ridiculous amounts of money or they're contracting for thousands of dollars a day because they're the only people that know how to do it. Right. So the reason I wanted to talk about banks is because I've been changing banks and this is a huge pain. The reason I'm changing is because my little local bank, I had a business account there. And the thing that finally, I think the thing that broke me was that they have a website. They have two websites, actually. And this is part of the problem. They have like the consumer website, which you can log in with your business credentials. And then they have the business website, which you can also log into. And the features on each are different. The one thing, of course, <laughs> the one, the one thing that is true though about both of them is that they're both broken. So, if I <laughs> were to log into my account and I, you know, click on the on the uh, the account there to see transactions and balances and stuff, it would load, and then like it's it had this uncanny ability to know exactly when I was about to click on something else that I wanted to see more detail on. And it would just refresh and kick me back to the last screen. Yeah, that seems fine. And it would drive me bananas. <laughs> it would drive me bananas. And on top of that, it was just one of these things where it was like this bank charges a lot of fees and there's a lot of complicated procedures and everything seems to be arcane. And I'm dealing with 
a kid who goes to college in Ireland and moving money to Italy with Federico. And it was just dry. You know, you'd think they didn't had never figured out how to do an international wire. It was really a huge pain. So I moved to a really big bank, which is Chase. And Chase is fine. It, it's much more modern. Everything seems to work really well on the, on the internet. But I figured, well, I'm going to move everything. I'm going to move personal stuff, business stuff. I'm going to move everything there. And hopefully that's enough to kind of get their attention. And it seemed to be. They seemed to be, you know, treating me really nicely at the little local branch. And I called up the guy. I said, I, actually, I didn't even call him up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this my way. I sent him an email and I said, I want to set up this, this, and this. You basically, you do the work. I'll come in, sign the paper, and give you the money. Yeah, that seems reasonable. All right, right? Because I was like, that'll save me some time. We can't do that, sir. It's against bank policy. And I get it. It's one of these things. I was setting up accounts. And it's probably a fraud thing. There's probably been, you know, uh, bank employees Mm. at some point who've set up fake accounts with customers and funneled money somehow. So instead, what I get to do (laughs) is I spent today, I went down to the bank, and I sat there while the guy typed in, my for you know I had already set up an account. I had the set up a business account a, a few weeks ago, and this was for personal stuff. I sat there while the guy typed in my address, typed in my social security number, typed in all my typed in all my information, and occasionally would tw- twist the screen to my view, and I got to use his mouse and click OK. <laughs> so it's forty yeah, forty five minutes of this to set up a personal checking account, which drove me bananas so i came back home and i was behind on everything i was trying to get done today and then i was getting ready to record clockwise which i did a little earlier and then you know do stuff with you and get something published on the website and yeah it's been one of those days plus i had way too much coffee yeah but banks i I mean in terms of switching um yeah it sounds like the american banks are probably a little bit more behind we have i can't remember what it's called it's like a quick switch guarantee or something Uh um and and I did this recently for similar reasons to you. Like I I left one bank to go to another one because their app was so bad. Um, but this this wasn't a small bank. This was HSBC, right? You know, like they're yeah, no, they're, they're very a big. global bank, and they just couldn't get a decent app to work. Like it was it was awful. Um, but for switching, I literally went onto the website of my new bank, filled in all my details, said yes, I want to switch. And within a week, they'd switched everything over. All right. That is pretty good. I mean, because really, you know, I go through this question and answer with them. It's like, you know, all these things that they can give me. It's like, look, does your app work? And can I do can I do things online? Do I Can I do it without writing a check, without stopping at your branch? No offense, but I don't want to ever see you again. I just want this stuff to work, right? And I want to set, oh, set yeah. it up in a way that's basically automated so I'm not wasting a lot of my time dealing with this stuff. The good news is, I mean... What I'm trying to do is simplify things and consolidate things into one place so that both it's simpler and because I have everything in one place, hopefully I get slightly better service uh, and lower fees and that kind of thing. Because I, I, I have learned that that's the other thing about banks is they will, you know, I just sent a wire yesterday to my son in Ireland and they, you know, not only do they charge a fee at this end, but the Bank of Ireland charges a fee on the other end. So you really get caught coming and going when you're moving money across uh, country boundaries, which, you know, it's something that I do and it's 
it drives me crazy. This is why I'm using things like TransferWise now. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's getting better all the time. And I think at some point it's taken a really long time because obviously, obviously, banks are highly regulated in every country that you know that has a bank, and it's taken a while, but there are certain companies that are starting to undermine the traditional uh, pig trough of fees that, that banks charge. So that's my rant about banks for the day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's completely fair because like you, it's it's so frustrating. You can't even get these like simple things right. Um, I mean, in the UK right now, there's like a huge surge of these new like startup kind of banks that have, you know, written everything from the ground yep. up and you know, got really nice apps and they've got push notifications, which I mean, God forbid my bank had ever heard of push notifications. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> this is the, I'm sure they'll be available in about 30 years. Um, and everything's a web view. Uh, exactly. Um, whereas like Monzo is one of the, the right, sort yeah, of new I've heard of that one. startup banks in the UK. And um, like, I think they've just integrated with transfer wise so that oh. in the app you can just do international transfers. Um, you know, they don't hide your, in, your is it called the IBAN number? Yep the international bank they don't hide that it's just there in the app ah, um, i remember trying to find that for my for one of my other accounts and i ended up having to go into the branch just to ask them for it and they went oh yeah there you go and they like printed me off a piece of paper and i'm like this could just be on your website like i've wasted your yeah. time you've wasted my time i had explained to my my local bank what that even was <laughs> what an iban number wow. is yeah well because they call them different things in the u.s but it's it's not complicated and i think any any major bank ought to be able to figure out how to move money from one bank to another. But yes, it is it is problematic. There are a lot. There are a lot of Monzo is an interesting solution. There are a lot of uh, TransferWise is is good. I think not so good for individuals. It's good if you're doing business stuff because it's it's a little bit of a pain to set up. But once you have it, like I have banking credentials in the UK, in Germany, in Australia, and the United States right now. And wow. and what that means is that like if we sell a sponsorship for Max Drories to someone in the in the EU, they can just do a swift transfer, you know, electronic transfer to me to my um, to my my German banking credentials, and I'll just hold the euros there. And then when you know it's just one of those things where they're just sitting there, and I can either move them to the United States convert them to dollars and put them in my own bank, my regular bank, or I can transfer them to pay for expenses or to pay Federico or whatever it is. I mean, that's, it, it works out pretty well. And, um, and really, I think there's over, you can do over 40 currencies now for, for us, it's usually euros or dollars, but, um, but you know, we've done Australian dollars and we can do other stuff too. Wow. Yeah. So, uh... You're practically James Bond at this point. I know, um, I know. Just, just without the traveling. I know too much about uh, <laughs> moving money internationally now. It's been a big thing that I that I learned this year. So, all right, that is like ten minutes of nonsense about the banking industry and how broken it is. What else is broken is Twitter. Should we uh, should we mosey on down to the uh, Toot Rodeo and talk about this <laughs> Toot Rodeo? Did you like my tweet? I thought my tweet was quite good. You know that was a toot. I, I did. I, I saw your. Wait, which was it? A tweet? The, the, yeah, you did that on Twitter. Didn't yeah, you? I did. I was going to do it on Mastodon, but then I thought of my only my only toot on Mastodon was a peach and the wind that some people might be offended. 
Yeah, maybe. It might have been a lot of effort to you know log into your account just to tweet that or toot that, I suppose. I would but... have to spin up an instance, Rob. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> oh, don't. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm sorry. Um, so we have seen a number of people, yourself included, move over to Mastodon because Twitter is so awful. And, and I, I think it goes without saying that you and I, I think, feel similarly about Twitter that there's been a lot of things going on over there that have been broken for a long time. It started, it's been for years, harassment's been a huge issue. Then you've got all the Alex Jones stuff lately. Uh, you've got the breaking of third-party clients through the APIs. There's like an incredibly long list of issues with Twitter that we don't really need to go back over because it's been talked about ad nauseum by a bunch of people. But the fact is that all those things bother me, and I think they bother you too, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just to to kind of move away from that part of the conversation, yeah, a lot of what you've just said um, has kind of... I didn't think I'd even noticed it, but it was just in the back of my mind that I was... I was on there and, you know, I enjoyed chatting to you and, and you know, Joe and Brian, all the, all the people that we kind of go back and forth with regularly right. as well, as well as, you know, following people for news and, and articles and things like that. But I, I just kind of became aware that in the back of my mind, like, everything just seemed very negative, you know, that there was all these, you know, fun jokes and stuff between people, but then everything that wasn't that was just really, really sort of aggressive or angry and yeah. you know i think we've we've all got good reasons to be angry at the world right now whether it's you know politics or you know whatever happens but in politics obviously a big one but I, I just kind of realized like i was so stressed stressed and kind of annoyed with using it that i was like right no and, and once tweetbot lost the activity view and i knew notifications were going away i was like right that's it i'm done yeah that that I have missed a lot more than I expected. And what I kind of liked was maybe I should, I mean, I suppose I should, maybe some people would say I should feel guilty about the fact that I like to look at the activity thing and see how many people are liking my tweets or following me or what, you know, because it was like a consolidation of, of statistics based on replies, retweets, follows and stuff like that right and that's just yeah. gone now and I, and I actually once in a while find myself going to the official client just to the notifications tab because I can then because I, I have notifications turned off on Twitter and I have had for quite a while but I did look at the activity feed just to kind of see what was going on and you know what responses I was getting on Twitter and and that's just for the most part gone except for replies and DMs which still exist but are delayed and everything's delayed really i mean there's no there's no live streaming of the feed on wi-fi anymore on twitterific or on tweetbot yeah i mean I, I think you're right like i think it's easy to look at the activity feed and go oh you'll be in vain or you're just you know oh get a life do something but yeah, i mean me and you i think are coming from this from different angles but like you know you are a writer. You write for Mac stories. You know you tweet stories that you've written and, and stories that the rest of the team have written. And to some extent, like it is important for you to be able to see if people are liking these stories, if they're retweeting them. You know, maybe you see somebody that you didn't realize might have read it. You know, maybe somebody that you know on Twitter. You know, 
that kind of thing like i think it is important from a you know from a promoting things you're doing perspective and you know from a personal perspective yeah of course it's nice if you if you tweet some stupid joke and loads of people like it well that's great um but not being able to see any of that now as i say there was only one in many things that kind of caused me to jump ship but yeah it it really does change what what twitter is like in these apps now it does and a lot of people have moved over to mastodon or micro.blog and i have accounts on both uh partly because with most things I want to have my usual username so people can find me easily. Uh, I have not really participated in Mastodon yet, but you have. What? What's? Uh, why did you go over there, one, and what's the experience been like? Yeah, so as I say, it was a lot of the reasons I said about just like this, this underlying feeling of maybe I wasn't enjoying Twitter as much as I thought I was. Um, and, and like the interactions with people that I do speak to regularly were kind of keeping me there. Um, and then like a few people kind of moved over there, like Joe Steele went over there and uh, Dan Sturm went over and the guys who do defocus podcast, like they moved over and a few other people did. And I was like, well, let's give this a go. Cause I kind of like being able to, you know, chat to those guys and, and, you know, a bunch of other people. So I kind of moved over. I signed up on not to get too deep into what the instances are, but I, I signed up on what is essentially the default um, instance, which is Mastodon.social. Yeah. Um, yeah you, know my, you know what my joke about that is, is that being on Mastodon.social is the new verified because they shut it down, right? Nobody can get on Mastodon.social anymore because so many people flooded in. Yeah. I mean, it's jumped like 100,000 users or something on that particular instance. Yeah. Um, and then a few days in, um, a few different people, Dan and Joe again, moved over to their own their own hosted instance at a new domain. You know, so they tweeted from the old account, said this is my new account on this new instance, and they moved. And I was like, oh, you can do your own instance. Like, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, and then I kind of made a joke. Oh, look, toot.rodeo is available. <laughs> uh, Joe, said, <laughs> Joe said he would never talk to me again if I didn't buy it. Uh, so I bought it, and I'm now running my own instance, which is just me um <laughs> i had no well, idea it's that me. that's what toot that rodeo was yeah yeah that that is my domain that's my instance the only users that are on there there's me there's a ruminate account okay. um and then there's a like a little rss account that i've set up for myself just to feed in a few things that i was missing from twitter oh interesting that's 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 kind of cool um so Explain to me this because I look, I have not gotten into the minutia of dealing with this stuff. I signed up and I just went with whatever was put in front of me, which was mastodon.social at the time. And if let's say I moved to toot.rodeo, would I have to tell people that? Can't people still just find me? Isn't this isn't that like supposedly the benefit of being federated that that you that you can just kind of find people or or is that not right? Yeah, I mean, sort of. So that there is this issue right now that they haven't really dealt with. It, if you look on the GitHub issues, they are working on a solution to this, but there's no... You can't just take all of your toots, 
yes, they call them toots. And I can't. I I realize now I'm saying out loud. I'm not sure I can take myself seriously. Yeah, uh, that's. <laughs> I I think that that was a poor choice personally, but 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 it is what it is. You can't go back on it. Yeah. You can't t- once it once it toots out there, you can't take it back. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's no tool right now to take all of those, move them over to a new account on a new instance you you can export and import your followers uh, sorry the people that you follow mm-hmm. um, as well as people you block and people you've muted so you don't lose anything in terms of what your timeline is like but you will you know your all your posts won't be on that new account and anyone who's following you on the old account can't be transferred to that new all one. right that's what i was um, wondering because so if i followed you on mastodons that dot social you know two weeks ago when you signed up or whenever it was and then you moved over to toot.rodeo, I would you would just disappear from my timeline. Uh yeah, absolutely. Like if you didn't see my you know, I posted, oh, I'm moving over to this, this is my thing. Um if you go to my profile now, um on Mastodon.social, there is a little redirect thing, um, a little box that says, Oh, you know, Rob's moved to this account. Um, so do you exist on both both instances then at that point? Yes. Like you can you can toot from both. Uh, yes, yeah. Th- there's no that account isn't inactive um, or anything. It, it's not inactive in the sense like I can still log on and I could still post from there if I wanted to. Um, so, is there a way to sign up for a hundred different instances and toot simultaneously to the same person a hundred times? In, in theory, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, only if they were following all of those accounts. Um, it, so. A post from my Mastodon.social account doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't look like it comes from Toot Rodeo. Like there is, they are completely separate accounts for all intents and purposes. Right, but if you, if you said, if you went and you did, let's say you created a script that tweeted or tooted, <laughs> "Hello World" from both Mastodon.social and and Toot.rodeo, would is that two? Di- that's two different toots. So, someone who follows you on both would see both, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's, it it can get a little bit messy in that right. in that All scenario. Right. So, so there's that. Um, so there's that. Let me. I'm I'm just trying to figure out ways that you could really mess this mess with this system. <laughs> so it has at replies, right? Yes. So let's say I did at RM Lewis UK, hi Rob, and I did it from two different instances. You would get two messages. Uh, yes. Um, but <laughs> I'm just thinking about ways that, that how harassment is going to rear its ugly head on on Mastodon. Yeah, you, you are right about that. I, I think because you could magnify your I mean, voice that way potentially. Uh, yeah, in theory, because I guess if somebody had two accounts, or, or yeah, or they were the tw- tooting from two different accounts, right? Um, that could be a problem. Um, th- there are some good things in place, like you know, be- because there are different instances. I, the best way to think about an instance is more like like a subreddit, right? If you, if, assume, yeah, it's very you know, much you kind like of yeah. you know you you've got you've got a subreddit for video games, you've got one for Lego, you've got one for development design you know whatever you've got you and some instances are kind of just oh we're just a general purpose instance um you know and all the different instances have different rules 
Um, so like martyrdom.social is like any hate speech and you will get banned. Um, but then there are other ones which, you know, is bound to happen because it's the internet. You know, there'll be like an alt-right Nazi instance, which of course is an awful thing. But because I run an instance, I can block that instance from ever talking to my account or any of the accounts on my instance. Okay. Um, so in theory, I think they're maybe working on a way to uh, block instances kind of en masse. So, right. you know, all the big instances could block all of these quote-unquote bad instances or instances that they don't want anything to do with, you know, whatever that means, whatever bad or good means. Well, yeah, um, right. Well, the devil's in the details with this stuff, right? I mean, I think Twitter would, would probably tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the biggest reason that I moved to my own instance, other than the amazing domain name, yeah. um, was it means I control everything. Um, sure. You know, I'm not... Because, again, in theory, an instance could just shut down. You know, Mastodon.social could just go, oh, we're done, we're not hosting these accounts anymore. Um, and all of those those status updates, toots, um, in theory, all of those people could just lose all of their all of their posts that they, that they've put there. Right. In theory. Well, and the other thing I guess too is that you can control who joins. I mean, you, your your instance is not just open to anybody. Like if I, unless you let me in, I couldn't join your instance, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So what mine is locked down um, to invite only. And as I say, the only accounts are mine because I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's account. Yeah. No, I think that's um, smart because. You know, because if next week I decide, you know what, I don't like this anymore, I'm done with it. If it's just me, I can just shut it all down. Yeah, because otherwise, you're all of a sudden, you're running a social network yourself. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and the, uh, Joe and Dan are on one called Duck.House. Yep, I saw that. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of how they're running it, but, you know, presumably they've all agreed between themselves how it's going to run. But yeah, in that scenario, if only one person was in charge of it paying for it whatever it is if they decide to shut down well that's like five six people you know their accounts are just gone right um and, and you know it, it's pretty cheap to run your own instance like i think mine's like five euros a month or something which is you know not a huge amount of that's kind of the amount of money i would have been willing to pay twitter to let me just continue to use the third party apps. are you doing it through like digital ocean or are you doing it through some sort of dedicated mastodon thing yeah i'm doing it through a dedicated uh, Mastodon host called Masto.host, um, mm. which is just one guy right now. Mm -hmm. um, but you know he's he's pretty open with the problems he'd been having. Like when I signed up, because there'd been such an influx of users, um, he said it could take up to twenty four hours to get my instance set up. It didn't take that long. It only took like an hour and a half, which is great. Um, but yeah, like th there's a few of these hosts out there, and, and you could. In in theory, run your own if you wanted yeah, to. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to like just dump all over Mastodon. I, I'm being, I'm, I'm playing the devil's advocate. I'm trying to feel, I'm feeling around for the these the the soft spots in this surface because one of the things that uh, that I'm skeptical about, I guess, is that I don't really think I I think Mastodon right now is better because it's small. And because yeah. it's very kind of tech geek oriented. And that's the way Twitter used to be. And then the whole world came and it got ugly. And and I don't see 
that Mastodon is necessarily going to be any better at that. I mean, I think that I, I just have a hard, I, I think it's a human problem and not a technological problem. Uh, you, yeah, you are absolutely right. And I, I think, I mean, there's a couple of things that I've seen from, um, because basically if you run your own instance and you know, you, you start following people that are on other instances, um, eventually you get what they, what they call the federated timeline, which is, all of the instances that your instance knows about. Um, so I will start seeing posts from people on Mastodon.social, .technology. You know, there's, there's a bunch of different ones that will show up in my, what they call the federated timeline. Um, and I've noticed that, like, um, you know, there's there are dedicated instances for people who, maybe on Twitter, are the ones who are most likely to suffer abuse from trolls and idiots, that kind of thing. You know, there's LGBTQT um, instances. Mm -hmm. There's you know, there's even you know there's 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 the generic stuff like design and, and development. Like there's a bunch of those that are kind of focused on that. Sure. But um, and I think my first thought, kind of seeing this, that there's these instances for people who are more likely to not have a good time on the bigger social networks is well. If they're all on the same instance, then they're able to block instances where the people who are likely to be trolls are going to going to exist. You know, they could they can block, in theory, a thousand accounts on mass if there's an instance where all of those people are just causing trouble all the time. Right. Um. Again, you're right. We really don't know how this is going to play out because it's pretty new at this point. Yeah. Um. And everyone's kind of oh, it's a new thing, and everyone's really happy and kind of nice to each other nobody's really arguing about anything i haven't seen a tweet about politics for like a week which is just yeah, amazing is good. i mean it also strikes me as something that's potentially becomes an even bigger echo chamber though right i mean if you're if instances are being organized around topical areas i could see you know thing people always complain about the echo chamber in twitter and you know the the little weird mac community or whatever it happens to be right and i feel like that is something that could become an even bigger problem on mastodon where it's instead of being one big thing it is kind of a bunch of islands that are interconnected but they're only interconnected until one of the islands decides it doesn't want to be connected to one of the other islands right yeah yeah i i yeah i totally see your point i think I, something feels different about it because I think, as you say, this thing ha this happens on Twitter, on not so much on Facebook, but certainly on Twitter. Like, you know, me and you, we choose the people that we want to follow, and our timelines become, you know, all Apple tech stuff or, you know, whatever it is we're interested right. in. Um, it just happens to be that on Twitter, all of those niche groups, you know, whether it's Mac, whether it's cars whether it's movies, whatever it is, all of those niche groups still exist, but it's not, you can't put your finger on it. You know, you couldn't go to Twitter and go, oh, where's the weird podcast Apple technology people? You know, you, you couldn't do that specifically because there's no, right. you know, there's no marker to where me and you exist on Twitter like that. Well, and that's why I think the analogy to Reddit is good because Reddit is very much a place that's organized topically, whereas Twitter 
It's who you follow, right? And so you can create that. You can kind of approximate that. But at the end of the day, you're following people, not topics. So, you know, if, if you're tweeting about Brexit and about the new MacBook Pro, my only option, if I don't want to hear you ranting about Brexit, is to mute the term, right? It's not that I, I can't... I can't filter that out because there's not a part of Twitter that's about Brexit. It's that Rob Lewis is on Twitter and I can either deal with all of Rob's tweets or I can find a way to mute some of his tweets or I can just unfollow him, right? Or block you or whatever. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um I don't know. I don't know I don't know what way it is or isn't going to go. Um, yeah, it, it's very interesting to me. I mean, and look, I'm I literally I really am not like trying to besmirch Mastodon at all. I, I think it's a great it's different. It's something else. And it might work for some people and not for others. I don't think it personally worked for me at the moment, um, but I obviously am going to keep my eye on it. And I've got my account over there and that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of. There's a lot of things to talk about. I still, I think, I think one of them is, and here is, I will make my snarkiest comment about this, which is I am continually amused by the people who come back from Mastodon to berate the people on Twitter about the fact that they haven't left Twitter. Yeah, that's so strange to me. Because they left because of the unpleasant atmosphere on Twitter, for the most part, I think. (laughs) And they're coming back to make it worse. Which to me is... I find find it amusing and sad. Uh, And I've seen a fair amount of that, unfortunately. Um, I think that's um, that's kind of human tribalism at its worst. Yeah, it is. I've picked this thing... And I've now decided it's the best. So let me come back to the thing I don't like anymore, and tell you how terrible the thing you like is. Like, it it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Do you know what? I don't get to see your tweets anymore. But do you know what? Here's a little secret. I'm still popping into Twitter every now and again just to see what's going on. Well, um, it, I've unfollowed a lot of people, yeah. but I'm not going to come back and go, oh, I can't believe you're still on Twitter. I'll come over to Mastodon because this is works for me. I mean, you know. Lots of different things work for lots of different people. If you don't like it, just don't use it. That's fine. Like there, there, there exists enough room for Twitter and Mastodon and Micro.blog and anything else that comes along to exist all at the same time. Yeah, I think the only qualification I would make on that is if you leave Twitter because you're protesting Twitter, but then you're coming back and peeking at your, your mentions and maybe just replying to people but not posting you know original tweets you're still a monthly active user and you're not really hurting Twitter. I mean, <laughs> I would just point that out because if you, if you're really, if you're, if you left Twitter to go to Mastodon to destroy Twitter, coming back and, and poking around is probably not the right way to do it. Um, oh, I, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I, if I've implied that, that's certainly not what I meant. Like th- this, this for me was entirely about like my mental well being and just, yeah, it, not wanting to use the service anymore. Right. And yes, as you said, I know I'm still reading it. I'm still a monthly active user. That's fine. But I'm also not kidding myself that our little corner of tech Twitter is going to make any difference to anything that the the management of of Twitter decide to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look, I was not commenting on you in particular. I was commenting more on other people that I've seen doing this sort of sure. thing in protest. So this is not a comment on you at all. But. Uh, and I think there's slightly different issues there. One is 
totally fine. If you have had it with Twitter and you walk away, totally cool. It's just that I think people who do that ought to recognize that the only way for that voting with your feet to really work is to just walk away and not come back. Um, so I guess that's one point. Um, I guess I'll maybe take this in a slightly different direction, which is talk a little bit about why I'm still using Twitter, which is, first of all, I totally get where you're coming from in terms of the fatigue and kind of weird mental burden that Twitter can become. And, and mm. I think it's it's good to walk away for a while, and I do that from time to time. Not like ever totally, but I go through phases where I'll be kind of active, and then I'll be kind of quiet and back and forth. Um, I have kind of, for what it's worth, and maybe you know people can criticize this, I'm sure, I have, I have manipulated Twitter into something that works for me. I set up an old phone the other day. It had none of my mutes on it. It just had my normal sure. my normal timeline. And I saw it, and oh my gosh, what a hot mess of garbage it was. <laughs> I literally have hundreds of people blocked, muted, and probably 5x that of terminology blocked. I don't have political Twitter for the most part because I have blocked every conceivable word that would enter. And, and you know what? It's not because I want to put my head in the sand. I can go read the New York Times. I go read the newspapers. I know what's going on in the world. But I don't want it from Twitter. It's just not why I'm there, right? So I mute a ton of keywords. And I don't see that stuff as a result. Um, my use of Twitter has changed quite a bit over the years. It has become much less a way I keep up with people I it I guess it's less a conversation with friends as it is a way to keep up with acquaintances and to promote stuff I'm working on. And I know sure. some people will think that's kind of gross, I guess. It's it's a it's very commercial, it's very transactional in some ways. Uh, <laughs> and and the thing is my only my only thing is if you don't like that, unfollow me and and I'm sure people have, right? Um, oh, absolutely. Right. And I have thought long and hard about what Twitter means as a, pro a promotional and, and um, publication outlet for things like Mac stories, because I'm not sure that Twitter is going to make it. I think it's going to be a long time before it's gone completely. But something about the shift that we've seen in the last few weeks feels different to me and more serious. And it makes, and it is really, it is a way a lot of people find their news. So it's an, it's very important to us from a business standpoint to have Twitter, but oh yeah, of course. But I'm looking at it now as we need to diversify that risk and find other ways to promote our stuff because Twitter might not be there. We shouldn't be so reliant on Twitter. So we're we're doing that, um, but it's also why I'm not leaving. Be oh yeah, and and you know. It I mean, we spoke before we started recording, but, you know, I think it bears repeating now. Like, I understand why, you know, somebody like you or, or Mike Hurley, for example, which, he, you know, they spoke at length about this on, on Analog this week. I understand why somebody who has a lot of followers and, you know, a lot of those people are following you or Mike or whoever it is 
to get access to the things you're writing or the things you're producing. Like, you know, whether it sounds icky to talk about, you know, brands and, you know, audience and all that kind of thing, you can't deny that that's a really important part of Twitter to a lot of people, including me from the other side of it. You know, I follow a lot of people just to see what they're writing and the other things that they tweet, whether it's about their life or, you know, look, here's a picture of my dog. Like, that's all kind of bonus and that, you know, helps you kind of know more about the person or whoever it is, but you can't deny that that thing exists and I understand why people aren't, not everybody's not going to leave Twitter within the next week. Right. So, and, and I don't have the energy personally, I guess, to really start fresh on another social network at the moment. If I, if I was forced to, I would, but at the moment I'm not. Um, So if you want to follow me over in Mastodon, feel free to, I don't really see myself doing a lot of tooting in the, in the near future, but I may, I may, I don't know. Uh, I've been on microblog for a while too. I mean, for a couple of years and I've posted there here and there. Um, I like what they're doing there. Uh, I think it's, it's got, it's also on such a small scale now that I don't think it has, it's just not a, it's different than Twitter. It's not a replacement for Twitter yet. It might be someday, but it's, it's growing and it's, it's getting there. Uh, and I, and I like what I like the people behind it, and I like the thought behind it and the ideas behind it, but um, yeah, it's it's not quite there yet. I don't know. Um, do you think I've pissed enough enough people on the internet today? Uh, I I think we've all been. I think we've both been pretty reasonable. All right, all right. Um, I hope I so. This is a this is a hard topic because you know, as I say, there's some people who think they're right, and Mastodon is is going to save us all which I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I, I, but, I, you know, for you, Twitter works. For me, Mastodon yeah, works. And and, and, I, and it's a bummer because I hate the fact that, uh, like, Joe's gone and you've not been around. I know you're still peeking. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but look, I mean, that's part of the thing, right? Like, if I want to talk to you, I can, I can send you an iMessage, right? I mean, exactly. that's the thing. And that's why... I suppose in some respects I do miss that old Twitter where it was more chatting with your friends online. Uh, but, but I think that that's been gone for a while and I still find utility in it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, the whole thing is, is kind of a mess at this point. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm curious where it's going to go. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the optimism that people have for starting something new and trying something different. And maybe I'm just too cynical sometimes I certainly can be, um, but I just feel like the problems that Twitter have are not technical ones. They're not terms of service. They're not administrative. They're not, um, you know, moderator solved problems. They're human problems that of people being awful to each other. And I think that the tech can be used here and there to make one service probably less prone to being a problem than not but i'm not uh, but i think that those those are things that are happen at the margins and aren't necessarily going to solve the problem in of them in and of themselves if you know what i mean so i i do feel like just because mastodon is different doesn't mean it's going to be better but i do hope that they find a way to work it so that people aren't harassed because all that is awful. And I, I don't, I, I'd like not to see it on Twitter. I don't really want to see it anywhere, 
but unfortunately, it is something that we've been dealing with, I guess, since we've had the internet. Yeah, definitely. But oh well, I mean that 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 got quite um quite quite deep. Quite I'm quickly, being serious. But, uh, I'm being serious on Rob today. I I've been you know I was talking about the Mac Mini earlier, and I want to know what you are you going to buy a Mac Mini? If there was a new uh, Mac might. Mini, would you buy it, and why? I might. Of course um, you would. If if this was two years ago, you would have bought it in a heart because you would have ripped all your DVDs, right? Right, exactly. Um, you know, well, you know, I, 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 yeah, okay. Look, I've got some media that's on a Mac Mini. Let's just say that. Um, but now, I mean, especially now that I've like transitioned a lot of stuff to iTunes, um, you know, I still have bits and pieces on on my Plex server. Like, yeah, I, I don't really mind to admit. You know, I have every every episode of Top Gear, like the the proper Top Gear, not that crap that's on Amazon Prime. Right. Um, because you can't really get that stuff anywhere. So, you know, I've got all of those, and I like to just jump back in mostly the big challenges that they used to do. Um, you know, like the two-episode-long ones where they, you know, drive across Africa or something. But right now, like, I'm not using Plex anywhere near as much. Like, I think my Mac Mini is off at the moment, and it's been off for, like, four days because the, the electrician turned off the electricity and I haven't turned it back on. Well, it seems to me that maybe I wouldn't want one now, but having a new Mac Mini would be great because... That's the kind of computer you can recommend to people when they say, "Oh, I want a Mac," but they go, oh, "You know, it's only for at home, but maybe I should get a laptop." But they're already expensive. Maybe the Mac Mini will still be affordable, and it will be a decent starting point for a lot of people. Which I think that's what the Mac Mini has been since, you know, since it was at, you know, the first version was released. Like this is the base model Mac Mini. Bring your own keyboard, your own mouse, plug in a monitor. Right. You're into the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, I, I think, I. Th- think that those days are over and i think what german is hearing this this pro focused mac mini i think what we're going to see is right now the base mac mini is a 1.4 megahertz uh dual core i5 with four gigabytes of ram and a 500 gigabyte uh spinning disk right all right that's 499 dollars that is sure. a dog of machine, right? No yeah. one should buy that machine, especially today, right? I mean, maybe that was like, I think, when did that last come out? Like four years ago, three and a half years ago, something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, something like that. And when I bought, I've, I've owned two Mac Minis, and my most recent Mac Mini was approaching $1,100. So what I did is I bumped up the RAM and I bumped up to SSD. And I still have it. It's a pretty small SSD. It's 250 gigabytes. But going to SSD and getting 16 gigabytes of RAM put it at like, I think like 1069 or 1059, something like that. And I think that that's the new floor we're going to see. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to be that entry-level computer that it used to be. Because you know what? I think even if you're doing stuff like home server, especially if you're doing like media center type of computing, you probably at least want the option for on-the-fly transcoding. And you, so if you're doing that, you need a decent amount of power and you want, to, and you want fast read-write. Yeah, I, 
yeah, I don't know. I guess we're going to find out in what we're looking at, like two to three weeks at this point, assuming it comes out. I'm trying to decide like around the iPhone. Yeah, you know, I I'll tell you, I'm pleasant, pleasantly surprised. So I have this Mac Mini, and it's what I use when I was getting ready to transition to being on my own indie lifestyle. Blah blah blah. It's sitting behind this screen from where I'm recording, and I switched to it. It's running Mojave. And it's fast with Mojave. It's really good. Wow. And it's that old one. It's it's 16 gigabytes of RAM and 256 SSD. And it's never felt punchier. I really like it. I've only got it. I, I'm not doing things like audio editing on it. So I'm not doing super CPU intensive stuff. But what I'm doing is I'm using it for writing. Right now, because I'm going to write the Mac review on Mac Stories and uh, the Mac OS review, I'm writing on it basically i switch to it like after we're done i'll probably switch to it and do some stuff for mac stories next and that's that's what i'm living in right now and it's it's been pretty nice i really like dark mode a lot yeah the dark mode is the one thing I'm, I'm probably looking forward to i mean i say this i probably don't care that much because most of my day is in chrome and uh, php storm i'm sorry which is a, an, an IDE. <laughs> what i use chrome i'm sorry that you're in chrome <laughs> what right the developer tools are much better no, I than know. safari I know that's all i'm saying i know i know i know i know um <laughs> I, I may switch to safari for my personal stuff um when mojave comes out rob i'm um, just because just of the privacy features and things like I'm that i'm just trying to anger the web people now i know you are <laughs> i know i mean I th- we all know it we all know that it's bad for battery it's google whatever no i don't care but... about the google part i i yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> it it's totally fine. Chrome is awesome, and so is PHP for that matter. Two thumbs up. But <laughs> oh my god, you have really oh email John <laughs> <laughs> and Electron for that matter. Let's let's go all. I'm going to go all in. I'm gonna and I'm going to endorse Electron for the uh, you know whatever. But yeah, the future of the Mac is Electron apps. Uh. <laughs> it is screw <laughs> screw this uh, marzipan stuff. I mean, I want I want some good old fashioned Electron. I want I want a I want a Slack icon bouncing in my dock twenty times before it opens. Oh, we're gonna have JavaScript come out of our. Well, that way I can, um, that way I can finish half my coffee before I have to actually work. Oh, you're so punchy today. You were right. Yeah. <laughs> Too much coffee. I think you need to go and have a lie down. <laughs> Too much coffee. Anyway, right, let's wrap it up before All right. All right. That's enough. So yeah, I think this is uh oh, I'm just typing, which is terrible, but oh, this is episode seventy. Oh, seventy episodes in three nice. years. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. So uh yeah, show notes will be ruminatepodcast.com slash seventy. Um you can follow us on Twitter, Ruminate Podcast. You can even follow us on Mastodon. I was going to say, you can toot me on at um, I'm John Voorhees, at, just like on Twitter. Yeah, and you, uh, you have Ruminate's on there, uh, toot.rodeo slash <laughs> at Ruminate. Uh, if I were to join your toot, toot rodeo, would you let me in? I, I, I might, if you ask nicely, all right, maybe. All right, I'll, th- <laughs> all right I, I'll, I'll muster the courage to ask in an appropriate, in appropriate manner. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, I guess we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you All later. Right, bye.